Welcome to Season 2 of Saints, Sinners, and Serial Killers with co-hosts, New York Times best-selling authors and renowned investigative journalists, Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge. In this episode, part two of Crate Boys, we hear the conclusion of the story of Africa Bambata, a founding father of hip-hop who stands accused by several men of molesting them when they were teenagers. Bambata remains a shadowy figure while more allegations surface. Ron B. Stinger Savage receives more threats Dave is threatened by a top Zulu Nation official, and a Zulu Nation soldier is mysteriously murdered shortly after speaking out about the scandal. This episode contains graphic and vulgar language that may be disturbing. And now, Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge. In the spring of 2016, Ronald Savage did his best to break the hip-hop internet when he came forward with shocking allegations that he was repeatedly molested by Africa Bambata when he was a teenager. Soon, more victims came forward, including several who I interviewed for Vice. All their stories were the same. They said Bambata befriended them as teenagers, showed them pornography, and molested them. Some said members of Bambata's loyal crew, the Zulu Nation, knew of the abuse, but did nothing. Africa Bambata was one of the first hip-hop stars in history thanks to his 1982 hit Planet Rock. He denied the accusations in a single TV interview and then went underground. He has not spoken about the allegations publicly in years. After going public with the accusations, Ron Savage, who I spoke to at length during the investigation, received several calls from top Zulu officers who pressured him to recant his allegations. In this call, Zulu member and Savage's longtime friend, Saladin Walker, told him ominously that he feared for Savage's safety because of the allegations. Hey, singer, do me a favor, man. Mm-hmm. You gotta tell them people, man, just dead that shit, man. Yo, this is all- Could you write a retraction? I was bugging out a bass singer. I'm talking, I'm trying to do something here, Sal- all right? I've been told you my fucking family. If something was to happen to you, I would feel really fucking bad about it. In the nine-minute call, which I obtained exclusively, Walker grilled Savage about the claims, asked deeply personal questions about his life and sexuality, shamed him, and pressured him to retract the accusations to protect the Zulu Nation. So what are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? You going to um, you going to write a retraction? I'm not writing no retraction. I'm just trying to fix this. You know, I'm fix what? I'm not trying to deal with it because I'm not trying to hurt y'all. Like I, like I said, I'm yo, B singer, could you just write a retraction for me? Do this for your holiday, yo. This like, oh, I was bugging out. This never happened. I'm sorry for this, but and just get it up. Just do that. So we get it. So I can rest and you know I don't want you know B singer. I don't. I talk to you in person when I see you somewhere. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about this over the phone. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know what you're doing right now. After the call, Savage told me he felt threatened. When he said, I don't want nothing to happen to you, when he said that to me, I felt like they were planning my murder, Savage told me. That's how I felt. That's what it was. I felt threatened. Savage knew he wasn't being paranoid. In fact, he knew all too well just how violent some members of the Zulu Nation could be. I soon learned too. I called Mickey Benson, a Zulu Nation founder and the manager of rap icon Ice-T. 
Benson had threatened Savage in another recorded phone call, so I called him to ask him about it and also to see if he would put me in touch with Bambata to respond to the accusations. The response I got is one of the most chilling of my 25-year journalism career. I don't give a damn about that. None of us care about what happened 30 years ago, Benson told me. You're doing a story on Zulu Nation? Something we created for 30 years? Are you crazy? You calling me and asking me questions? I got your name. Are you crazy? You don't know me. I asked if he was threatening me. He didn't respond. I asked him if he wanted to comment on the tape of his phone call with Savage. Here's my comment, he sneered into the phone. Suck my dick, fag. The Zulu Nation was created in the mid-1970s by Bambara, who recruited former gangbangers, including those he ran with in the notorious Bronx biker gang, the Black Spades. Many were felons. Savage was the first alleged victim to accuse Bambata publicly of sexual abuse. But the first hints of the case actually came from a Colorado journalist named Khalil Amani, who wrote a 2013 magazine article claiming that Bambata was stabbed by a man he molested. Amani, who wrote a book about homophobia and homosexuality in the rap industry, reported that Bambata drugged a man and performed oral sex on him without his consent. According to the report, the man woke up, realized what was happening, and stabbed Bambata. A top Zulu member who was also there was also cut. Zulu members were furious with the report and mounted a smear campaign against Amani, pressuring him to take the article down. He took the article down from the internet for a couple of days, out of fear, he says, but reposted it. Dave tracked down Amani in 2016, and the journalist said he was threatened after the piece went back up on the web. I got a few threats, Amani said. One guy was Zulu from here in Colorado. He said, you know you can be touched, right? You're right down the street. You can be touched. The Zulu nation is very intimidating. Savage and another of Bambata's accusers, Hassan Poppy Campbell, both said they knew about the stabbing. Campbell at the time was still close with Bambata and said that he went to visit him at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx. He said he saw bandages on his stomach and that Bambata not only told him about the incident, but gave Campbell a picture of the alleged assailant and told him to exact his revenge. Zulu officials denied that Bimbata was stabbed and instead claimed he was hospitalized for chest pains. The stabbing incident never went away, though, and became part of the story when accusers started coming forward. Even some of Bimbata's most ardent supporters were reading the tea leaves and started to turn on him. One of them was Grandmaster T.C. Islam. Originally from New Haven, Connecticut, Grandmaster T.C. Islam was an acclaimed jungle and drum and bass DJ who pioneered the so-called hip-step style, which mixed hip-hop, house, and UK dance music. He was friends with early rap stars Curtis Blow, DJ Red Alert, DJ Kevy Kev, and Bambata. He had several club hits in the 1980s, including Sucka MCs and Funky Fresh New England. 
He was an original Zulu member and was known as a close confidant of Bambada, so close that he was referred to as Bambada's fourth son. Islam was also the Zulu nation's minister of information for decades and was one of only a few public faces of the organization. He waved the Zulu nation flag proudly wherever he went, championing the organization's community improvement work and spiritual agenda, not to mention its music. Like many Zulu members, TC Islam stood by Bambada initially. At first, the organization smeared Ron Savage when he made his accusations, accusing him of being mentally challenged and calling the charges an attempt to destroy a strong black organization. But as more details surfaced, many top members started to step away from Bambada. In the summer of 2016, Bambada was kicked out of the Zulu Nation and the organization issued an apology to Savage and all the alleged victims. TC Islam quit the organization in disgust over its support of Bambada and he went public, saying that he believed the accusers and would not stand by as the Zulu Nation covered up the alleged crimes. After going public, Islam started to get threats from members of the Zulu Nation. He was attacked on social media and in interviews. He became fearful for his life and moved out of Connecticut and headed to Atlanta. There, he continued to be harassed by Zulus who remained loyal to Bambada, he said. In this 2017 interview, he makes reference to the threats that he received. There's little zealot, little, little, little bitch-ass niggas from other worlds, like, you know, like, when I, when I resigned and shit, it's like, you know, the first little 10 threats is like, oh, uh, 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 you're not gonna stand with them. I'm like, they don't know what's going on. They don't say shit with the 30, with the 50. In fact, T.C. Islam told many people that he feared for his life. Journalist Layla Wills has been following the Bambada case closely for years and made a documentary about it called Trapped in a Culture. In a 2017 interview, she said Islam made it clear that he was afraid. T.C. stated to me that he was in Atlanta because he had been in hiding and on the run for the past year after resigning as international spokesman for the Universal Zulu Nation, she said. T.C. said he had received numerous death threats via phone calls from what he described as Bambada's fan club. He said the threats accused him of disloyalty to the father and that he would end up in a box. June 8th, 2017. T.C. Islam is walking down Langston Avenue southwest in Atlanta around 2.30 in the afternoon. He's approached by two men. What was said isn't known, but what happened next is simply shocking. One of the men pulled out a gun and executed Islam from point-blank range. They ran his pockets and fled. Police arrived and rushed him to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Word of Islam's murder spread fast and sent shockwaves through the hip-hop underground. Many top artists paid tribute to him on social media. Kevy Kev posted a tearful video in which he said, They killed TC Islam. They got him. They killed my man. Two men were arrested in connection with the killing. 19-year-old Trell Huff who lives just a few blocks away from where the shooting occurred, and 36-year-old Talib E. Page from Jonesboro, Georgia. Huff was arrested by Atlanta police on June 12, 2017, and was charged with murder and armed robbery. Page was nabbed by the Clayton County, Georgia Fugitive Squad on June 28th. 
He was arrested after trying to jump off a second-story balcony when cops arrived at his house with a warrant for his arrest. He was charged with murder, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and a slew of other charges. Page had a rap sheet that included cocaine, marijuana, and larceny charges as well. Police said that they found a small amount of marijuana at the scene and suggested it could have been a robbery. I interviewed T.C. Islam's mother, Shirley Bell, in 2017 after the arrest of Page and Huff. She was distraught, obviously, and expressed deep concern for her son's three children, her grandkids. She said she had never heard of Huff and Page before and didn't believe that her son knew them. She did, however, say that her son had told her many times that he was in fear for his life and was looking over his shoulder for members of the Zulu Nation who might be after him for retribution. One of the last people T.C. Islam spoke to before his murder was Ronald Savage. In 2017, Savage told me that he spoke to T.C. Islam two days before the slaying and that his friend was clearly living in fear. He was scared, very scared, all the time that Zulu was going to get him, Savage told me. Savage said he too had received threats from members of the Zulu nation, including from one who he said promised him they were going to, quote, take it to the next level if he posted about Bambada on social media. Savage said one of the last things TC Islam told him was don't trust anybody. Savage told me that he took TC's advice and changed up his routines in case he was being followed. I'm looking over my shoulder all the time, Savage said. TC Islam unknowingly documented his final days through a series of videos and interviews. In his ominous and emotional final video, posted just days before he was killed, the rapper and activist was reduced to tears as he said the heavy burden was lifted off of him when he spoke out against the Zulu nation and against Bambada. I've been, I've been just letting it go, releasing and weeping because a king may weep over the ones he loved and you know things that bother him. But when a man got to cry, another man's going to die. So I'm just weeping right now, releasing a lot of a lot of years of, of locked up pain and and letting that letting that, that burden go, that heavy cross, man. You know, on my walk to Mount Golgotha, there wasn't nobody there to carry that cross. So I carried that cross. And that cross is now going. I'm so I'm so thankful. But justice will be served. Shirley Bell said that the last conversation with her son was a few weeks before his murder. The final words he said to her were, I love you. They just don't know what they took away, she said. They can never replace this man. You can never replace him. Trell Huff was cleared of all charges, while Talib Page was convicted of T.C. Islam's murder and is now serving 30 years in a Georgia state prison. Now, it's never been determined whether Page had any connection to the Zulu nation. The case has largely fallen under the radar, despite the Me Too movement. But Bambata's name resurfaced in the news recently, when a new victim came forward and filed an 11th-hour lawsuit against Bambata and the Zulu nation. 
The statute of limitations to bring a civil claim against Bambata was set to expire on August 31st, 2021. Just a couple of weeks before that deadline, a man named John Doe in court papers filed suit alleging that Bambata sexually abused him for four years, beginning when he was just 12 years old. He claimed that the hip-hop pioneer repeatedly sexually abused him and took him to locations where he says he was abused by other adult men. He alleges assault and gross negligence, saying that he experienced physical injury, severe and permanent emotional distress, mental anguish, depression, and embarrassment. The lawsuit seeks unspecified damages and demands a jury trial. It's a textbook Me Too case, one that has distinct similarities to the cases against R. Kelly, Harvey Weinstein, and others. Yet there's been little outcry, and Bimbada remains a free man who continues to occasionally make public appearances and DJ. Africa Bambata has yet to respond to the lawsuit. His whereabouts remain unknown, although his address is listed in court papers in Teaneck, New Jersey. A court hearing in the lawsuit brought by John Doe was scheduled for November 1, 2021. Bambata was last seen publicly at a Bronx housing complex in June of 2021. He posted a video on Instagram outside the complex wearing a mask and talking about how the neighborhood was where hip-hop was born. He also resurfaced in the hip-hop world recently when a new song by the group City Girls released a track called Twerkulator. The club track samples Planet Rock and lists Bambata as a co-writer. Bambata had 30 days to respond to the lawsuit, but that deadline passed and neither he nor his lawyers made any filings. While the alleged victims wonder where he is and whether they'll ever get their day in court, Bambata has continued on with his life uninterrupted. He was listed as a performer at shows in France and Mexico recently, which raised concerns that he could simply ignore the suit and flee the country. While the lawsuit provided some hope for the alleged victims that they might see some justice, the prospect that Bambata could disappear without a trace is unsettling. While he's free to travel to France, Mexico, or anywhere else, they live every day with the pain and scars that they say he inflicted. Saints, Sinners, and Serial Killers is a joint production of Mudhouse Media and Fort Point Media. Produced and edited by Mike Joshua. Studio space provided by worklocalma.com. Original music by Chris Spagone. For more from the Mudhouse Media Podcast Network, visit mudhousemedia.com. And for the latest on their podcasts and all of the writing and film projects of Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge, visit fortpointmedia.com.